Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. started Lori well, we has to mention a couple of things for us hi everybody good to see everybody um a couple of things i want to mention um our facebook we're getting high facebook people <laughs> um we're getting a lot of prayer requests so we have at that table in that table a list of people so if you want to join us in prayer there's a prayer list for all the people on facebook that need prayer so you can put the bookmark in your Bibles and pray for these people if you want to. They're on that table in that table. Also, I'd like to thank our sister Joanne for giving us a generous donation from the jewelry sale. So we appreciate that. And that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you. I love that song, I am who you say I am. Not the way the devil tries to make us feel or think, right? He makes us think like we're failures all the time. But we're not. We're God's kids and we're chosen, not forsaken. Amen? He died so we could live in freedom from all the schemes of the devil. He's always trying to hit us. Especially as the ministry progresses and advances, the more attacks we're going to get. It's just you have to be prepared for that. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. We have to understand these things are going to happen. Because this ministry is all about truth and the truth of God's word. Which a lot of it has been compromised out in the world to get the numbers. But we're not going to do that here. Amen. The truth is going to stand. Amen. Alright, before we get started with our message, let's go to Romans 15. How's everybody doing tonight, all right? It's really good to see everybody. I'm always comfortable when I come among God's chosen people. Amen to that is right. Verse 13, Romans 15. Very short and sweet. Powerful, though. A lot of meaning in it. Apostle Paul, always praying for us. Good, good, good um, example to follow. When he prays, he prays for his people, God's people and everything else. Not just for what they want, but for what God wants. Amen? Amen. I pray that God, verse 13, the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace. Now, to get filled with joy and peace, it says because you trust in him. First you have to believe him, what the word says, and then you have to develop a trust. That has to be developed. It says, because you trust in him, you will have joy and peace. So if you don't have joy and peace, you have to ask yourself, do I trust him? 
That's the first question. Because he's the source of all hope, and he says he will fulfill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. And if you don't trust him, you will not be filled with joy and peace. That's just the remedy. The remedy's right here. So if you're asking yourself, why don't I have any peace and joy? Maybe I'm not trusting what the Word of God says, and I'm trusting what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling. And I have to overcome that. I just have to grow. And we can't blame it on anything. We have to look inward on that one. Then it says, Then you will overflow with confident hope. Now, look at it says, with confident hope, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not through the power of the flesh. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because he's telling us we can have joy and peace no matter what's going on in our lives. And that cannot happen apart from the Holy Spirit. Because when there's problems in our lives, we cannot find joy and peace in them in the flesh. But if you trust God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to have peace in any situation, in any storm in our life. Amen? amen. God deserves a big amen for that. Because he says, if you trust me, you'll have joy no matter what's going on. Don't blame God for you not having it. It's because you don't trust him. That's all it is. All right, that was a great scripture. There's a lot there, a lot to think about. You say, you know, if I don't have any joy and peace in my life, why? And, you know, you can ask God, and he's going to tell you why. You don't trust me. You're trusting in what you see and what you feel. You believe in that. You believe in a lie. The devil loves to make us believe lies, ain't it? <laughs> All right, I got a scripture we're going to go to before we uh, get into our message on wholeheartedness this is a very important message i hope everybody's heart is prepared as the holy spirit takes over to put any distractions aside because there's a lot to learn okay second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 we have to understand about believe discipleship and becoming a believer okay it's not the same okay believing in jesus discipleship, and being becoming a believer is not the same thing. Okay, these are all progressive things that have to take place. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Everybody got it? Beautiful. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, okay? The veil has been lifted. You believe in Jesus, the veil is lifted, and now you can see. The spiritual life begins. You now have what they call a sixth sense that the world does not have, all right? God has given you his sense of spirit. He's given you his spiritual life. Because we were all died, we all were born spiritually dead. And now you became alive with Christ, you are now born again spiritually. Now you have what they call a sixth sense. You have a spiritual sense that everything that happens in your life now is not by chance or coincidence. It's divinely ordained by God. Everything. He sets up all the strategy and situation. And as we grow, we begin to see his hand in everything. Even in the problems. 
as He takes us through the valleys to get us onto the mountaintop. Amen? Now look what it says. I'm going to read it right through now. So all of us who've had that veil removed, which is all who believe, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, now makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So what he's saying is once you believe, heaven is your home. But when you to make you more and more like Him is progressive. That has to progress in your spiritual life as you go through the sanctification problems, um, um, process of becoming like Him. You have to become like Him. Believing is not an active thing, okay? I just want to say something about this now, okay? Is everybody with me so far? Okay. I have everybody's attention? Okay. All right, there's three parts to being human. We have to understand that, right? There's body, soul, and spirit, right? The Bible seems to present humans as consisting of three parts, okay? Body, soul, and spirit, like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and in Hebrews 4.12. We don't have to go there for the sake of time. If you want to copy the scriptures down and find them after, you can. But this is what we're going off of, the truth of the Bible. This is called the tripartite nature of man, okay? Much like the divine trinity, Okay? The three parts of a human make one being, okay? Though distinct, the three parts of a person work together to live, exist, and interact with God and creation, okay? You with me so far? Okay. Stay focused now. It's going to take focus and attention to get this message. And the devil's going to try to distract you and not understand it. But it's going to be very easy to understand because I'm going to make it easy for you to understand. Okay? Okay, so stay focused and don't get distracted because the devil is going to try to. Okay. The body is the physical side of a person. Okay? It touches the material world through the five senses of sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. All right? We understand that, right? The spirit is the spiritual side of a man, okay? It interacts with God in the spiritual realm through its own set of senses, things like faith, hope, and prayer. Now, the problem is the unbelieving world doesn't have that sense. See, they have the called spirit of man or spirit of humanness, which has no identity with God at all. Until you accept Jesus as your Lord and sense, they will never get that. That's why they're reaching for different things of the world for their comfort and joy because their eyes are not opened. Eyes are. So that's how we interact through the Spirit as we get born again. Things like faith, hope, and prayer. That's how the Spirit interacts. The soul is the life of a person. Okay? It is the animating principle of a person and is responsible for imagination, okay, memory, reason, and emotion. Okay? As such, the soul serves as the command center for the person. Okay? Neither the body nor the spirit can function on its own. Okay? Both look to the soul for direction in action. The heart of everything. Amen? Did, did I make that understandable for you? If you don't, I'll understand, make it clear to you after, if you don't. But that's the spirit and the, and the um, body are controlled by the soul. So the soul is what makes the final decision on the action. Okay? So now we have to understand where God resides now. The spiritual side of God. God speaks to the inner part of our being. 
which is the wholeness and completeness. You are never complete until you accept Jesus Christ. Now you have the opportunity to become a complete person, not lacking or wanting anything. You are fulfilled because you have the three things operating, but they have to be operating in their proper place, and that's the problem, okay? Before that, we were operating without the Spirit of God. We were operating with our senses of the flesh and our desires that are of our heart. When we get born again, we get a new heart. But that new heart has to get renewed. And that's why we're here. Nobody has to tell us how to do the wrong thing. Okay, my wife was showing me a video of a little girl lying to their parents about not, um, not touching something when they saw the little girl do it. Nobody taught her how to lie. It's already in her. Nobody had to teach her how to lie. Nobody has to teach you how to lie. You do it naturally because you're born without God. You're born into the fall. You're born with a sin nature. So we have to taught what? How not to lie and be honest and true. And that's why God gives us a new birth and a new heart. Can we understand that now? Yes. And now we have the opportunity to make the right choices and not be liars. Because the devil is the father of lies. We understand that. Okay. Now there's three things, okay, that we have to understand about believing, okay? Because it's a bit, big misconception about this. And I'm going to define three principles before we get started at the rest of our wholehearted study so we understand why it's so important, okay? Are you with me so far? Yeah. It sounds like you are. Good. You're going to get something here. All right. There's three things we're going to define. First, we're going to define belief, okay? We're going to define belief, okay? There's three things to becoming like Jesus, all right? There's three things that have to happen, Okay? In other words, you, just because you believe does not make you a believer. Okay? Believer is something you have to become. And you cannot become a believer before you become a disciple. And I'm going to prove that through the Bible. Okay? And I'm going to prove it. Can I get an amen for that? Anybody can believe. Even the devil believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That does not make you a believer. I'm going to show you the difference, okay? Because a lot of people don't understand this. Because it's not taught. Alright, I'm going to define belief. That is not active. That's nothing on your part to do. You simply have to believe something. There's no active part on yours. To consider or be true or honest. To consider. To accept the word or evidence of. To hold as an opinion. To accept something as true. We believe in... God, or we believe in ghosts. To have a firm or wholehearted religious conviction or persuasion to regard the existence of God as a fact. Okay? That's, that's from the dictionary. Okay? Do you believe? Now, that's very simple, right? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If you say yes, the Bible says it's a gift from God, and, and now heaven is your destiny and your eternal home. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you. That's nothing you have to do. That's a gift. That's why it's not active. You don't have to do anything but believe it. Okay? To have a firm conviction as to the goodness, efficacy, or ability of something like you believe in exercise, like it's going to do something of the goodness of it, the good result from it. Because you believe in something, you believe that something good is going to come from that belief. To hold an opinion... Think, believe so, or not believe. 
To accept something as true, feel sure of the truth of, accept the statement of someone as true. That's belief, okay? To have faith, especially religious faith, feel sure that someone is capable of doing something. Because you believe in Jesus, he's capable of giving you eternal life and making heaven your home, if you believe that. He's capable of doing that. Because he went to the cross and did that for us. We understand that. Do you believe that? Okay. That means you're going home to be with the Lord. Now, we're going to define what a disciple would be. Okay? Now, that's a different, whole different animal now. Believing, believe is one thing. Becoming a disciple is another. And becoming a believer is another. Can I get an amen for that? Now, to, to, the, to be a disciple, a student is active. Becoming what we believe, a true believer, is a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that? Okay. Let's define this, this disciple, okay? One of the twelve personal followers of Christ. That's what it's defined as. One of the seventy followers sent forth by Christ, as explained in Luke 10.1. Okay? And it says any other professed follower of Christ in his lifetime, any follower of Christ, and, and, or a member of the disciples of Christ, a person who is a pupil or an adherent to, of the doctrines of another. So in other words, a disciple is a student of the doctrine of the Bible. In other words, like, you believe this now, a disciple is somebody that's has to get taught this and become a disciple. The teacher has to teach them the ways of the Bible. Can I get an amen for that? All right. Let's, let's keep defining it. Now, one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another, such as Christianity, one of the twelve in the inner circle of Christ's followers, according to the gospel accounts. A convinced adherent of a school or individual. So you're convinced that this school and adhering to it is going to make you like Christ. That's what it's saying. If you become a disciple. Christianity, a member of the disciples of Christ founded in the U.S., listen to this, in 1809, that holds the Bible alone to be the rule of faith and practice. Okay? That was founded here. You learning something so far? Am I making it easy enough? Yeah. Okay. Now, if you think because you believe that you're a believer, you've been misled. You've been misled. Because you have to become a believer. That is the progressive part of Christianity. You have to become a believer. Okay? A believer is a follower of a particular religion or spiritual practice. Most believers have specific religious beliefs, but you can be a secular believer as well, okay? For example, you might be a firm believer in socialist economic policies or a believer in the benefits of homeschooling. Basically, anyone who holds a strong belief in the truth of something is a believer, okay? The verb believe is at the heart of the believer. First, you have to believe it to become a believer. Can I get an amen? To believe. One who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another, such as Christianity, one of the twelve in the inner circle of Christ's followers. It actually defines as the same thing as a disciple. 
in the, in, the, in the dictionary. Now listen to this. A supporter who accepts something as true. A person who backs a politician or a team, etc. A person who has religious faith. A person who manifests devotion to a deity. Listen to this now. Someone who practices what they believe. Okay? There's believing, and then there's practice. A believer is someone who practices what they believe. Can I get an amen for that? And there's a lot of deception in the church today because I believe it, but they're not practicing what they believe. You listen, if I say if I say to myself, let me give you a real simple example. If I want to become a lawyer, I believe that I can become a lawyer, but do I just instantly become one? What do I have to do to become a lawyer? I have to become a disciple of law school, right? To become a lawyer. Well, it's the same thing with Christ. First you have to believe it. And then you have to what? Be schooled into it to become a believer. It's the same principle. And Christians get it all wrong. They get their message and say, I'm going to heaven and I can do whatever they want. And that's a lie. You will become what you believe. If you truly believe it. You will become a believer. But that is not something that happens overnight. It is progressive. And that's why a lot of Christians quit on the way, because, oh, I can't handle this. Because you have to go through a lot of trials and stuff of what we're going to be talking about to become a believer. As a matter of fact, Jesus gives you the example. You have to get crucified to become a believer. Your flesh has to get crucified. Can I get an amen? amen. And that's the progressive part of becoming a believer or a disciple. Let me just tell you one thing. They can't be separated, by the way. Just like the Trinity can't be separated, believe, discipleship, and believer are tied together. They can't be separated. Either you believe it or you don't believe it. And if you believe it, you will become a disciple, and then you will become a believer. Can I get an amen for that? And there's the truth of the Gospels. Can I get an amen? Okay. What you believe, you will become. And that's promised through the Bible. Amen? Because if you say, I believe it, and then go live your own way and never change, you never believed it to begin with. Don't fool yourself. No, don't fool yourself. People that live their own way do not believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, because if he was, they wouldn't do it anymore. Their conviction would tell them, which is in their new spirit, which is in their soul, which is in their conscience, to tell them that's the wrong way to go to stop. And you will. And now is it a fight? Yes, we know it's a fight and we're not perfect. But something happens. Okay? You make a decision. That now I want to learn more about him. He puts that desire when you have to want to know him more. To read his word. To open the Bible. Now the flesh wars with that all the time. But guess what? The Bible says he who lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world. Either you believe that or you don't. It'll drive you back to the word. Can I get an amen for that? Because let me tell you something. The Lord was speaking to me all day about this subject. He says, don't let them get deceived about this. It says all the time, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? He doesn't say that stuff for nothing. Don't think you can dispel that stuff out of the Bible. Don't think you can't deceive yourself into not being a believer. You can be. 
You can deceive yourself. Because if you believe what the Bible says, and that Holy Spirit comes into you, your heart will change. And it's going to take the rest of your life to change. And some grow faster than others because their desires and their call is greater. But nevertheless, something happens. Amen? Amen? Okay. Did I make that clear enough? All right. So we know that there's three parts, all right? Because once you get the Spirit of God in you, he doesn't, it says that I'm never going to leave you. So when you decide to leave him, he says, I'm, I'm not going, so you, can, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> and you're stuck with yourself at the end of the day, and you know it. And what do Christians do? They go and do something to bury that little inner voice. Like go buy something or go do something or get investing in something and do something else instead of what God originally called you and saved you to do. Because you can't get rid of that little voice. That little voice of conviction. See, and that's why nobody can change you. Only the Holy Spirit can. He'll torment you. Every time you do the wrong thing, he's tormenting you. You get torment inside there's no peace and no joy. Because you're following your spirit. You're not following the Holy Spirit. Very simple. It's not that hard to understand. Does that mean I'm not going to heaven? No. He says heaven's your home when you believe it. But if you do believe it, something happens. Listen. To become a believer, you become a believer. It's progressive. Becoming a believer is progressive through the belief, the belief life. That's something that has to take place or else you never believed it. I don't care what anybody says. You want to challenge me on it? Come and see me. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, we cast out demons in your name. We did all these things. He said, depart from me. You who work iniquity. You still live the sinful life. You never changed and converted to me. But you use my name to do other things. They were never saved. But they said, I have Jesus. Those scriptures in the Bible cannot be like... Get rid of any theology, anything can never get rid of the scriptures. Not one of my words, he said, will disappear. Not one of them. They all mean something. And it's up to us to understand the meaning of them so we can actually have a healthy fear of God. So we don't go, because our flesh, who's got a strong flesh in the room? Come on now. You know how strong this flesh is. And you know how hard its desires are. But God said, I'm giving you a divine nature now. And I'm giving you big, better desires now. Desires of the things of God. Instead of the things of the flesh. And I'm going to work in you now. And either your heart's in the right condition or it's not. Either you'll be tired and want to go home. Or you'll be saying, well, the Spirit's in me. And it's got me up at attention right now. Amen. And if the Spirit's not in you, oh, when's this going to be over? <laughs> Fact. That's a fact. Because when the Spirit speaks through the Word of God, the Spirit that God gives you is at high attention because it's listening to get fed. And the only way the Holy Spirit can get fed is by the preacher giving you the Word when you come to church. And then when you do your own personal reading of the Word of God. Other than that, if the Word of God is boring to you, you're going to tell me you got the Holy Spirit in you? You're going to tell me that, Really? The word of God is never boring to someone that's born again. Amen. And if it is, you have to say to yourself, am I, am I just faking this? Am I saying I believe it, but I really don't believe it? Because nothing's happening. 
something happens. It's happened so dramatic, if you read your Bible, that the names changed of the people. That's how different they were. They told Paul, the guy that was killing us is now preaching the very things that he was killing us for. They seen the difference. Are they seeing a difference in you? When you leave, are they seeing the conversion? Say, thank you, Jesus. If it is, if not, say, oof, I got a lot long way to go. But know what? God loves me and I still have a chance. It's not too late for me. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to wake up and do things his way instead of mine. That's your choice, by the way. I'm just giving you the truth of what happens. It's your choice whether you want to follow it or not. He never takes away our choices. All right, so last time we got together, okay, all right, we talk, talked about wholehearted, remember? And we tied in that scripture. We're going to go to the scripture and come down. Let's go to Matthew, um, I mean Luke 9. And I'm just going to go right down through this. Do I have everybody's attention? Yes. Because this is real. Don't deceive yourselves. Things have to happen to become a believer. Luke 9, verse 23. Then he, which is Jesus, said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way or selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but yourself is lost or destroyed? Or you give up your soul. Remember, I said, well, you lose your soul. And then, go with me to Matthew 7, verse 13. We're going to talk about, I'm going to go right down the line. We already talked about it, but I'm going to just go right through it. To becoming the follower. What it takes to become a follower. Or a believer. A believer is a follower. Do you get it? A believer is a follower of Jesus Christ. You can't separate that. Alright. It says. Matthew 7.13 You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The road that leads to destruction is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. He's talking to believers here. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Believing it is not difficult. Either you believe it or you don't. But it says the road that leads to life is what? Narrow. And difficult. And only few believers ever find it. Why? Because you have to what? Progress into becoming a believer. You have to what? Start saying no to you and your desires. And start saying to God when he starts calling you to duty. When it's something that interferes with your life. When it becomes sacrificial. When I get to give up what I want. For what he wants. Then you know. Then you know. When it's like when you make it convenient. Oh well I got a slot. I, oh, good thing it's on Saturday because, boy, I'm always busy on Sunday. What if I said, well, we're going to do church on Sunday now? Well, I really like to, but. See? If God changes the direction, you change the direction with Him. He comes first, and you know. Yeah. Nothing gets between that. 
Not, nothing on your way. That's called sacrifice. Something that gets in the way of you. Remember King David said, he wanted to give him the sacrifice. He said, I won't give anything to the Lord. I won't sacrifice anything to God that doesn't cost me something. So don't think that because you live an easy, convenient life, worship God, that you really become a believer. You don't. You become a believer by following him. And that's why it's narrow. For the many who choose the other way. To just get my message, go about my business, and not let the Holy Spirit run my life. Let my spirit run my life. Can I get an amen for that? Okay. Then we said, what did Jesus mean when he said, if any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross? Okay? Remember? Today we often use this expression to mean refusing oneself a legitimate pleasure or some sort of example uh, to mean um, like um, I'm going to give up sweets. I'm going to deny myself chocolate for Lent. People think that that's what that means. However, this is not what Jesus meant, okay? To deny oneself is to disown not just one's sins but oneself, okay? To turn away from the idolatry of self-centeredness Denying self, then, is not something you give up. It's someone you give up. Can I say that again? Denying self is not giving up something. Denying self is giving up someone. Can I get an amen for that? It's easy to give up a bar of chocolate for a month. Please. (laughs) People use that as, oh, I love the Lord. I'm going to give up... uh, Reading the paper for a month. No, that's not what it means. It means giving up you. If you hang on to your life, it doesn't say if you hang on to your chocolate, you'll lose it. It says if you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. It's giving up someone, which is you have to become born again. It is renouncing and turning from one's old self as the center of life and embracing Christ as the new center of one's life. And that's the progressive part of becoming like Christ. There's no like, oh, some people, some believers don't have to become like Christ. No, every believer is called to become like Christ. Everyone. Everyone. How are you going to build the kingdom if not everyone does it? It describes the fundamental shift of allegiance and reorientation of life that occurs at conversion. It's not self-denial in the current sense of the word, but true conversion, the very essence of the Christian life. Conversion is giving up your life, yourself. But let me tell you something. People think that you're actually, he's taking something from you. No, he's actually giving you something. The things he's taken from you have no value. He's trying to show you that the devil has you tricked. Thinking there's value in all that stuff. Is this perhaps one of the reasons why we see so much self-indulgence, worldly living among believers today, and so little authentic Christianity? Only those who have crossed this Rubicon will be able to proceed to the next requirement which is following Jesus, okay? Now the next one is taking up the cross. Now, let's explain that one again before we go on to becoming a follower. First you have to what? Deny yourself. Then you have to take up your cross. 
And then you become a believer. It doesn't become, it doesn't, you can't skip that. This is what Christianity does. You can skip over that. No, you can't skip over that to become a follower. Can I get an amen for that? And people think you can skip, jump ship from that part. No, Jesus didn't say that. He says, yo, you don't have to. No, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must. If you want to be. So what he's really saying is, if you really want to become a believer, this is what has to take place. How's that? Is that a hard one to swallow? Yeah, it is. Because everybody's got you misconceived out there. Oh, I believe it. I get a get out of hell free card. No, you don't. If you believe it, something happens. <laughs> Listen, you can't. You start end up, things start getting painful. You start giving up things. You have to. He never leaves you alone. He never leaves you alone. The Holy Spirit never leaves you alone. Now, taking up one's cross is another expression we use today to mean something very different from what Jesus intended his hearers to understand. When we speak of having to bear a cross, we are usually referring to some unpleasant or difficult circumstance, like, oh, i got to put up with them every day. <laughs> Which we have to live. But what Jesus meant was far more demanding than that. Jesus was clearly asking those who would follow him to count the cost and commit themselves in advance to give up their very lives. Remember, when he asked, when he asked them to become a disciple, they dropped the net and he just followed them. Yes. Matthew, get off the ch tax changes table and went. Yeah. He didn't say, oh, let me think about it. If faithful, listen, it says, commit themselves in advance to give up their very life if faithfulness to him should require it. Once again, the text has an errorist imperative speaking of this as a definite, definite event. But how many of us have done this? Only those who deny themselves and take up their crosses will be able to do the last thing Jesus said, follow me. The reason is simple. When we answer the call of Christ, life becomes both easier and harder. It is easier because of the blessings of God's grace, but harder because we enter into unrelenting combat against our old selves, the fallen world around us, and the schemes of the devil. Can I get an amen for that? All right, Lord, I've decided to follow you, but man, the devil don't want me to. My flesh don't want to. Right? Faithfully following Christ in this battle is possible only if we wholeheartedly... Now, what is wholeheartedly? The three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. All of you. Get it? Not just the spirit part. All of you. You have to become that. That's wholeheartedly. That's every part of your being. Is wholehearted. Now we get the definition of what wholehearted is. It's all three. The Trinity. Three. Three become one. Your body, your soul, and your spirit lines up with Jesus. You become like him. That's wholehearted. That's wholeness. Complete in Christ. Get it? And that's the process we go through. All three become one. That's the very who you become. Get it? 
Now, faithfully following Christ is this battle. This battle is possible only if we wholeheartedly put his will and interests ahead of our own, regardless of the cost. For as long as we retain our personal autonomy and seek to preserve our self-centered interests, we won't be able to submit ourselves to his will when it conflicts with ours. And as long as we value our physical survival more than his glory, we will not be able to stand firm in the face of death. Once we make these decisive commitments, we will encounter challenges that require us to reaffirm them again and again. And we will discover that as we do, they grow deeper and stronger. As we are changed into his glorious image. This is progressive. You never just sit here and arrive. It's always progressing. There's always changes being made in the believer's life to become more like Jesus. But see, you can't make changes for what he wants when you're always asking for what you want. Then you haven't died to self yet. Can I get an amen for that? Because when you want what he wants, he gives you everything. Believe me, there's no sorrows to it. He gives you everything you want. When you make a decision to actually want what he wants, he gives you everything. He doesn't take it away from you. Everybody thinks, oh, God's going to take everything from me. No, he gives it to you blessed, heaping over, with no attachments or sorrows added to it. They're in line with God. He wants you to have the best of everything. But he has to become the best first. That's what has to take place. And that's what we're talking about. Taking up your cross and denying yourself. Making him come first. And then everything else falls into place without misery and turmoil. How about an amen for that? Okay, so now let's go to this other one now. Then what did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? Oh boy. I'm going to turn the fan off. <laughs> All right, you ready now? What does he mean? Follow me. Oof! I got, I, I lack the understanding of denying myself of chocolate, thinking God be happy with me. Taking up my cross was dealing with my next door neighbor, or dealing with my aunt, or dealing with that person next door, or any of that stuff. We thinking that's taking up our cross. It was way further than that. That's nothing, actually. We think it's a lot, right? We're so human beings. We're so like... You ever think God might have put them there so you can get them to Jesus? You ever think, well, if I'm living for Jesus, God put them there for me to get them to Jesus. Not to get away from you. To get them to you. But when you don't understand that, mm, why me? That's what all about. There it is. When you say why me, that means you haven't crucified yourself. You didn't, you didn't crucify. Why me? Instead of saying, use me. Wake up and say, use me. You say, okay, you sure? Count the cost. I'm going to use you to build my kingdom, but it's not going to be with the pleasant, lovey-dovey people you think. It's going to be with the people that you despised before. Oof. All right. 
He meant, follow me, he meant we should obey his commands and seek to walk as he walked. Okay? Live as he lived. The essence of Jesus' commands in life was loving obedience to God and sacrificial service to one's neighbor. Regardless of the personal cost. Thus, we are called to follow Jesus' precepts and examples by living a life of holy love, striving for that perfection in love that begins in this world and comes to fullness in the world to come where at last the image of God will be fully restored in us. Did I get an amen for that? You're on your way. Now, such a life seems impossible. Right? When we consider our self-centeredness, our sin nature and weaknesses, doesn't it? That's impossible. And indeed, it is impossible apart from Jesus and His matchless grace and mercy that renews us every day. But Jesus knows how weak we are and He has made the impossible possible for us through the gracious gift of the Holy Spirit. So don't tell me you can't do it if you're a believer. You have the Holy Spirit in you that empowers you to do it. If you don't do it, it's because you don't want to. Don't say that you can't, though. Go to Romans 8.26. I'm going to prove it. All the stuff I'm talking about is in the Bible. I'm not saying anything that's not true. I was hoping to get through it, but I ain't going to make it. Okay, Romans 8.26, right? Look what it says. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. See it? Here it is. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Sometimes, look, we say we pray all the time, but we're really not sure what He wants us to pray for. We pray for all kinds of crazy stuff sometimes, right? But we're not really sure. You know what He wants you to pray for? His will be done. Boy, when you pray that prayer, boy, His will might not line up with yours. Just be ready. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, for God's holy people, in harmony with God's own will. And we know as a believer, if you are a believer, you will know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Because when you're a believer, you love God and you know you're called for a purpose. So you are a believer. See, but if you're not a believer, that ain't going to work out for you. He's not going to work everything out for you. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Mark 10. Go to Mark 10. I ain't letting you out of here until I'm done with this. You ain't going to leave. Lock the doors. We'll continue next week. We'll finish. We'll get this finished by next. We should be able to finish by next week, but I don't know. 
It's not me. God says, you teach it to them, so they have no excuse after that. All right. Is everybody in Mark chapter 10? This is beautiful. Jesus looked at them intently. I mean, he looked at them seriously and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible to follow him. But with God, everything is possible. See it? Everything, but with God, not, but not with God, everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you, this is a believer, has this assurance that everyone who has given up house, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or property, for the sake, for my sake, and for the good news, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. What does that mean? Because you're born into God's family now. All the believers are our brothers and sisters. Get it? We've got all kinds of brothers and sisters now. Not just biological. Now we've got tons of spiritual family. That's what he's talking about. And in the world to come. Listen, with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. See it? Amen. See, we already have eternal life. You know eternal life is a quality of life. Eternal life is what we already have as believers. But you don't have that as soon as you believe. The seeds of righteousness are planted into your heart. And they have to be developed and grow. The fruits of the sprite. You, you, when you became, when you said, I believe, right? Did all them fruits come out? You wish they did. But that doesn't mean you didn't have them. He planted them seeds in your heart. Now he says, now I get, now I got to teach you how to grow. And I got to fertilize you with the word of God. So those seeds can produce something. And if you don't do that, the seeds die and they fall off. And the old heart comes back. And then you never re reach being a believer. Can I get an amen for that? Did I make that clear enough for you? I hope I did, because God made it clear to me. He said, John, don't let them deceive themselves. All right, last thing. The Spirit creates a community of faith to nurture us. The Spirit makes the Word become alive and powerful in us. The Spirit pours out God's love into our hearts. The Spirit enables us joy joyfully to abandon ourselves to God, to daily put to death the works of our fallen nature, and to be progressively transformed into the likeness of Jesus himself. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. How about an amen for that? Amen. Wow, he actually makes, makes, he, he makes something out of nothing. That's what he says. But when you decide to follow your ways, don't tell me you're, you're following Jesus. You ain't following him. You're following the flesh and doing what you want. Because when you, when you decide, when you make a decision to follow him, you would be surprised what he starts doing. It's like I can't not not do it. It's like I'm possessed by him now. If he says you can open up the church every day, I'm, I'm going to open it up every day. Whatever he calls me to do, I'm going to do it because I said I made a choice to follow him. Amen. To the thick and the thin, the good and the bad, anything. 
And if you haven't made that choice, it would be a good time to make it now. Before the end. While there's still time. While there's still time. Amen? All right, we're going to have to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that with you. There's more to come. There's, there's a couple more verses that you have to get to get to, to make this message complete, okay? But I ain't going to have enough time to explain it. Thank you. God is good, right? Stay tuned for the next episode of Becoming Like Jesus. All right, the girls are going to come up and sing so we can close. We're going to stand, worship the Lord, and close.
You certainly did find a treasure. Oh, Brittany, you're right next to us. You might as well close us. I was that? You knew I was going to get you. Huh? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the awesome message you brought for Pastor John tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for really explaining those three parts of us, Lord Jesus. And I know that really, really helped me. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to take this with us, Lord, and help us to meditate on this as well, Lord. Revisit the scriptures and the message, Lord, so it gets even deeper ingrained in us, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those who haven't made the decision to truly follow you, that they would, Lord, because it's the best thing you can ever do, Lord. We just thank you so much for calling us. Thank you so much for choosing us, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you for dying for us and rising again, Lord. You're just so magnificent and amazing, Lord Jesus. And we can't wait to see you, Lord, but I pray that while we are here, that you would use each and every one of us to touch those people that you've brought into our lives around us, Lord. Yes, so Lord. that they will come to the kingdom with us, Lord. Let us not be selfish in this, Lord, but to think of others while we're here because we're only temporary residents in, in this place here. Yes, Lord. Lord. We thank you for everything, and we ask that you would please protect the congregation in your holy and precious name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Brittany. Brad. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night until we meet again. God bless. Peace.